Welcome to the MUFG APEC Insights Podcast. 2022 has been a challenging year for central banks. Amidst the current geopolitical, economic and market environment, the high volatility and low visibility makes accuracy of consensus forecasts difficult. In this episode, Matt Fennessy, Head of Global Market Sales for Subsidiary Global Banking Asia, speaks with Tom Joyce, Capital Market Strategist from New York, about his latest research report on the extent of the global recession in the coming quarter and whether the U.S. Fed will be able to continue its historically rapid pace of tightening. The following podcast is for information purposes only. It is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment businesses or investment recommendations. Okay, welcome to the podcast. I'm joined today by Tom Joyce, our capital market strategist from the MUFG New York office. Tom is joining me in person in Singapore today as he's traveling throughout the region visiting clients to share his latest insights from his most recent publication. So welcome, Tom. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Tom, let's start on Russia and Ukraine. Um, What have we missed? What are we missing now? And what are the primary channels of contagion? So on this point, what one thing I'd like to highlight is this idea that the Russia-Ukraine crisis, in my opinion, has been arguably the greatest intelligence failure of the last 20 years. And I think one of those one of the reasons that is so important to highlight is less to indict the mistakes of recent years, but more to highlight that we may not be thinking about this correctly today. Uh, so I view it as one of the greatest intelligence failures. Um, we underestimated this from day one. Uh, on the other side, positively, I think we have also underestimated the speed with which Europe's political economy has united, the speed with which Europe has um, imposed sanctions across the Russian economy, but most importantly, across the Russian energy complex, coal, natural gas, and oil. And as a result of that, uh, and the speed with which Europe's political economy has moved to reduce its natural gas consumption, to import LNG by 50% as they have done, to increase pipeline flows from north and south, uh, to double down on renewables, to increase coal production. As a result of all of that, they are ahead of pace on energy storage. And it also has contributed to Putin, something that we have underestimated, that he shut the gas down in response much sooner than anticipated. It was a risk we were anticipating as winter approached. It has already happened. Um, So as we think forward, I think it's important for us to continue to think about this crisis differently. And in that regard, I would say, unfortunately, in my view, that Russia is too weak to win this war, too strong to lose it. Hmm. And I think it would be a mistake to assume in the near term that we have a ceasefire coming anytime soon and that we have a durable peace coming anytime soon. It's a bit bleak. But um, let's pivot now and uh, talk about the economy. So how global will the recession be that will almost certainly hit Europe and the UK this winter? Well, before we get to recession risk, let's just say the following. We are looking unquestionably at the greatest synchronized central bank tightening that we have seen uh, in the modern economic era, which which comes with it 
uh, synchronize global inflation, synchronize global growth deceleration. All of those things are happening unquestionably. It is not just the Fed tightening right now, as we all know. It is 80 central banks tightening at the same time, 80. And with the dollar uh, running at uh, you know a 20% pace, 20% increase, strengthening over the last 12 months, and the Fed exceeding all expectations on tightening, other central banks have no choice but to do the same. Uh, there is, I think, no question in my mind that Europe and UK are going, uh, are entering the early months of what could be a substantive uh, and protracted recession. We hope it's shorter than that. Um, I do believe, uh, I have an above consensus view on the vulnerability of the US economy to this. We are a consumer-driven economy, consumers 70% of GDP. Um, and I think that Every time the U.S. economy has gone, uh, has experienced inflation above 5% since World War II, and inflation is north of 8. Every time the U.S. economy has experienced 5% 5, 5 or more inflation since World War II, we have gone into recession. Every time the Fed has had to tighten this aggressively, we have gone into a recession since World War II. Uh, and China is not going to be there this time to play the same role that it has in recent uh, decades, and that is... Um, when the rest of the world slows down, China has been able to increase its stimulus and its domestic economy, and by virtue of its size, lift up all other boats around it. And I don't think that's going to happen. China's role as a counter-cyclical uh, buffer for the global economy. Theirs is an economy that is struggling with its own list of domestic problems, a commercial real estate issue zero COVID, uh, dynamic zero COVID policy that I don't think is going to change as much as people are hoping this winter, uh, a tepid Chinese consumer, a slow export sector. Uh, so I don't think China is going to be there in the same way. Um, and against that backdrop, we've only had 12 U.S. recessions since World War II. They are reasonably rare events. More rare than a U.S. recession is global recession. There's only been six global recessions since World War II. And I think we are at very high risk for Europe entering recession in Q4, rolling into Q1 for some countries as long as Q2. The United States and other parts of the globe slipping into recession uh, with high risk sometime in the first half of 2023. So with that in mind, um, and you mentioned 80 central banks hiking at the moment, but zeroing in on the Fed, Will the Fed be able to continue its historically rapid pace of tightening in 2022? And what will be the global casualties of that current course? The Fed will blink. I do not believe they will blink as soon as many are thinking or hoping, and certain where the, certainly where the market is pricing. The market is pricing right now peak Fed funds as of today, um, somewhere in the 440 area in March. Let's keep in mind that just three to four weeks ago before Jackson Hole, the market was pricing around 350. Mm -hmm. So the market has missed this from the beginning and repeatedly. Um, I think the Fed and Powell, who are in a quiet period right now, were very clear prior to the quiet period on two things in particular. Uh, number one, that we're going to get 75 basis points in September. And number two, that they are very focused on the lessons of history. I was struck by the number of central banks who have remarked on the lessons of history, I think very clearly alluding 
to the period back in the mid-1970s, 1974, with Fed Chair Burns, shortly after the 73 oil crisis, when inflation went high, growth went low, and in 1974, as inflation began to come down, what did Fed Chair Burns do? He cut rates, arguably prematurely, to try to bring some growth into the economy, and a some would say a near decade of hyperinflation followed. I wouldn't put it all on Fed Chair Burns, but the Fed has made it very clear that they are determined to not repeat the mistakes of history, and they have made it very clear that they are concerned once inflation becomes entrenched in an economy, it is very hard to get it out. So this is a dollar-based global financial system. Every time the Fed historically has tightened at this pace, there have been casualties along the way. Uh, the Fed is not responsible for the preconditions. For example, the 1997 financial crisis here in Asia. The Fed is not responsible for the preconditions that may have led to those casualties. But the Fed has often, by virtue of its tightening in a dollar-based global financial system, the Fed has often been the precipitant to accelerate those casualties. Um, I don't want to speculate on where the next casualty may be, uh, but, but continued Fed and global central bank tightening at this pace in a world in which the vast majority of global commodities are traded in dollars, in a world in which the vast majority of global trade is conducted in dollars, in a world in which emerging markets, which are now 40% of GDP with mature, advanced emerging market economies, whose corporations have $4 trillion of dollar-denominated debt. This is a challenging um, fact pattern for the global economy. Listen, as we get into the second half of 2023, I do think that we should hopefully see, uh, by that point, significant moderation in inflation, moderation in energy prices. Um, the the backdrop, the visibility into a recovery, it's probably not going to be a robust recovery. Uh, but there are reasons to be optimistic as we get out into the second half of 2023. And of course, markets can move and price in some of that optimism uh, in the months ahead. But unfortunately, it looks to me like we may not be at the low point here for the global economy until about Q1 2023. Uh, my last point, the reason I say that, Q1 2023 probably being the low point, and facts and circumstances are changing quickly, uh, but the reason I say Q1 feels like the low point is because that is the point at which I think three forces are converging at the same time for maximum impact. The impact of number one, central bank tightening, the impact of number two, the energy crisis, and the impact of number three, peak inflation. We are roughly at peak inflation, probably in the United States. We are not yet at peak inflation in Europe and the UK. So those three forces, uh, even as they moderate perhaps in the winter, uh, will begin to operate with a lag on the global economy in the first quarter of 2023. Well, I like the optimistic outlook about the second half of 2023, but... Um Let's, uh, let's see how uh, things play out for the rest of this year and into next year. Uh, the thing I would emphasize as we conclude on that point um, for all of our clients is that this is a high volatility, 
low visibility environment. And we have to be very careful about forecasting scenarios going forward. I think clients globally, both investors and companies, need to contingency plan for multiple scenarios now more than ever. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you, Tom. And um, I'll remind our listeners that uh, Tom and his team publish frequently uh, on the topics that we discussed uh, and more. So please reach out to your MUFG sales rep if you're looking for, for more content. But for now, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the MUFG APEC Insights Podcast. This episode is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Rate, review, and subscribe, and reach out to an MUFG sales representative for business inquiries.